The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I had every intention of waiting until Monday morning to record this week's starting podcast, and the situation just didn't really dictate that that was going to be a possibility. Various things here on the home front meant that Monday morning was potentially going to get run over, and so that pushed everything back to Sunday night, and obviously you guys all know why I didn't want to do a pod on Sunday evening. it's been a really difficult day for basketball fans and I don't want to, I, I, this is a very hard opening to do for a number of reasons. Number one, I don't want anybody listening to the podcast think that this is somehow harder for any of us than it is for folks that were really in involved in the tragedy on Sunday morning, but we all have our own way of experiencing things and dealing with things, which means that, Regardless of whether it's a huge deal, a tiny deal, or no deal at all, we're all relevant in that respect. And so with that in mind, we launch into a show on fantasy basketball late on the evening. I mean, we're not even recording this podcast, not even ten and a half hours out from the tragedy on Sunday morning. Of course, the great Kobe Bryant killed in a helicopter crash in nearby Calabasas, not far from us here in Southern California along with one of his daughters. To this point, we know a junior college baseball coach and his whole family that uh, the daughter played on Kobe Bryant's daughter's basketball team, and it's just been a crazy, (sighs) damn near unbelievable thing to read on the Internet first thing on a Sunday morning. There's just no, no good way to... Present it. Hopefully most of you, I mean, good Lord, I hope you guys have heard the news already. If you're if you're listening to this show and this is the first you're hearing about it, please do go look at some of the things that happened on Sunday throughout the NBA as a result. Touching tributes at every arena, got their tributes put together, rapid fire. Some had to go much faster than others. Multiple teams, after the opening tip, ran out the 24-second clock in honor of number 24, the Mamba himself, both directions, I think the Spurs and the Raptors game was the first to do it, which you saw the Rockets players during the the pregame ceremonies, during the, the moments of silence, it just bawling their eyes out on the basketball court. And I know many of us, myself included, I cried about four times earlier today. Remember, it's still Sunday while I'm recording this thing. I, I just... It's a very strange sensation. I don't know if I'm sure some of you are having different emotions. Some of you are having similar ones. For me, I've never been a person that felt that deep, visceral pull when someone that I've never met was taken out of my life. I, I've watched other people experience that from, from my wife, and this is sort of a weird one. For my wife, it was actually when the actor Robin Williams took his own life. That really hit her hard. You just you never know what's going to get someone. I, and for some reason, this is what this one got me. Maybe it was watching all of the players' reactions. Maybe it was... I mean, honestly, maybe it definitely was all of these things. But then, obviously, as a 
relatively new parent. My child is three, which makes me relatively new in the grand scheme of things. Just thinking about the uh, Vanessa Bryant, the Kobe's wife, their other three daughters, one of whom was just born a few months ago. The, the idea that the dad, the patriarch of the family, one of the children ripped away just in a moment. It's, it's nauseating. It's heartbreaking. And now we have to try to do a fantasy basketball pod like any of this matters even a little bit. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. And yet here we are doing it because that's the escape at this point. And so with that, I say welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, a somber Monday Fantasy NBA Today. As I mentioned here at the outset, the great Kobe Bryant taken from us way too soon, a helicopter crash. Mechanical failure is what we know at this point. I'm sure more details will emerge. I am Dan Vespris. I've, I've had to do broadcasts where I've had to announce bad news before. Uh, minor League Baseball, bad things have happened and... You sort of, you go on with it, but this one, this is a big one. This is a big one. This is a guy that was changing the complexion of the post-career NBA landscape. Academy Award winner. Anyway, I don't even, I mean, how do you, I want to say I can't think about it anymore because it's just killing me inside, but I, I, how do you not think about it anymore? Can't be done. So what we're going to do today, normally our Monday shows, we and we will have reverse chronological lightning round, so don't worry about that. Normally, they run a little bit on the longer side because we go through each team's most recent game. But I'm just telling you right now, much as I'd like to put on a good one, my heart's not in this one today. It's just not. So we're going to do our damn best. I hope you guys will forgive me. If this is the day you're tuning in for the first time, I hope you understand that this is probably not going to be an A-plus show. And hopefully we can then all deal with this together. This this is, I mean, I'm going to, eventually I'm going to talk about it again in the podcast. There's just no way around it. So anyway, um, you guys know the drill. I, if you want to follow me, I'm at Dan Baspers. Hoopball is our website, hoop-ball.com. Hoopball Fantasy is the Twitter feed. Hoopball Tweets. And big time shout out to our guys at Hoopball Gaming who continue to put out picks over the weekend. Nothing on Sunday. We all, everything shut down on Sunday. But on Saturday, they had another show. And uh, winners again. Just winner after winner after winner. So that Twitter is at HoopBallGaming. I would strongly suggest you guys go follow that Twitter account. Check out all the amazing work that Josh and Ira and Devin and Neil are putting together already. And if you're going to follow them, do it with our buddies at MyBookie.ag. And do it by signing up with a promo code T-O-D-A-Y, the word today is your promo code to get a 30% deposit bonus on whatever you throw in there. And if you screenshot it and shoot it to us here at HoopBall, you can send it to me. You can email it to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. You get entered for an opportunity for HoopBall to match your first deposit. We'll basically get you refunded. We'll bankroll you up to $200. We're going to be drawing a name on Tuesday afternoon, although I'm thinking we may push that back by a day just given that There was no promo for it over the weekend with all of this other stuff going on. So check that out. If you have any questions on how the contest works, you can bug me on Twitter for that as well. Let's launch straight into the reverse chronological lightning round. We'll we'll tackle all of these games best we can in in the with the understanding, of course, that on Sunday there were a lot of very weird emotions that came into play in the NBA. Houston was at Denver. That was the first game to tip after the news broke, like two hours later. I mean, it was really close. 
And uh, to watch the video of P.J. Tucker and, and Tyson Chandler and Austin Rivers, they there was, a, I mean, it's just, it's remarkable. You guys, I would say you got to go check it out, but I don't know that you do. It's heart-wrenching. Tucker actually had his best game in a long time. Five points, eight boards, two steals, two blocks. It's not enough for me to put him back on my you-must-start-this-guy list because it has been, frankly, a little bit of a rough go for him lately. And there was no James Harden, which played a massive role in this one. And so when you take out all of that usage and a guy still only takes three shots in 38 minutes, you know that he's just not willing to shoot the basketball. Russell Westbrook is sitting out there next ball game, so things are going to get real weird. Eric Gordon's going to be taking a boatload of shots. You'll probably see Austin Rivers take some. Daniel House might take. I mean, this is there's a lot of streaming opportunities at play here for this Monday ball game for the Rockets. Although maybe Harden's back for that one. I don't know. We'll see. I, questionable, I think, is the tag right now. They're in Utah in the second half of a double altitude back-to-back. Meanwhile, on the Denver side, my Jeremy Grant stream continues to work fine, and my fear of streaming anyone else is also working relatively fine because I'm basically just rolling, obviously, Nikola Jokic, Jeremy Grant, an easy fill-in for Paul Millsap, and then everybody else, they're so deep that you have no idea who's going to play big on any given night. Michael Porter was back. He had 17-9 with four three-pointers, a little bit lacking in the other stuff, and he played only 24 minutes. Monty Morris had the big ball game, 17-7-4, steal block, three three-pointers. He's obviously very efficient, only one turnover. And then Gary Harris made his return and played 23 minutes, and so that cluttered things a little bit more. Torrey Craig saw 31. Will Barton, only 24. Malik Beasley, 26. This is like the depth on display kind of thing. And so I'm just going to keep rolling with what I want with what I want to, which is Grant, Jokic, and Barton. And Gary Harris, he hasn't been on the inside in a while. He's shown flashes, and you can keep an eye on him, but that's about as far as I'd go. Toronto beat San Antonio 110-106. That one, of course, with the the double 24-second violation to start the ball game, which and a sickening twist had a little bit of a weird betting angle because the game was actually at that point basically 47 minutes long. Oh, Popovich had a hell of a quote after the game. I think he said something like close ball game, tough loss, who cares? Spot on, man. Spot on. But there were a couple of fantasy notes from this game. Serge Ibaka continues to buy himself leash with good ball games here and there so you can hang on. OG Ananobi was actually playing well and then didn't get to close. Norman Powell closed the game out, and he finally cooled off a little bit. But I have every reason to believe he'll bounce back in the next one, and mid-20s and minutes is enough for him. Marcus Ole hadn't scored until early in the fourth quarter, and then he rattled off eight in a row for the Raps to get himself into pretty good territory, although no steals or blocks. And then, of course, Kyle Lowry, Freddie Van Vliet, and Pascal Siakam. They're the easy ones. My question continues to be, and it's not fully answered yet, Will Freddie Van Vliet playing 40 minutes a game, will that ruin Serge Ibaka, OG Ananobi, and or Norman Powell? And right now, the answer seems to be yes for Ananobi. That's where we're at at the moment. And the answer seems to be Serge and Powell can barely hang on. Well, Powell's been better than that, but he was due for a field goal regression. Derek White had six turnovers, but otherwise, uh, me on last week, we finally said, is this the moment? And then I said, I'm picking him up in a bunch of places and just hoping that this is it. And since then, over the weekend, he blocked eight shots in two games. I don't know where the six turnovers came from, but three steals, eight blocks, eight assists, ten rebounds, 
and third, well, he averaged 13 and a half points, 27 points overall. And that's without shooting the ball well. This is a high efficiency guy. This feels like the moment. Derek White is here, 28 minutes in this ballgame. Uh, DeJounte Murray played 25. That's enough for both of them. And somehow in 13 minutes, Jakob Pearl continues to be a block specialist. I, I can't fully explain that one, and it feels like the bottom's going to fall out. Brooklyn is at rock bottom. They've lost to the Knicks. The battle for New York went to the Knicks. Yuck. Uh, no Kyrie Irving in this one, and uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, of course, ends up playing more and doing more, and that hasn't really been that great for him lately. You've heard my take on Karis Levert. It ain't changing anytime soon. A 2-for-12 shooting game is not about to fix that. They were horrible. Really, truly bad. And somehow, Torian Prince has actually been a little bit better lately. But the Nets are in trouble, and this is feeding into my narrative that there are Eastern Conference bubble teams that are gaining in confidence. The Bulls are two and a half games out of that last playoff spot. The Pistons are three games out of that playoff spot, and the Wizards are four. Hornets four and a half, by the way, but suddenly you've got a lot of teams in between you guys, whoever you may be, and that Nets spot. But if the Nets keep falling apart at the seams here, every 10 games they're dropping a game or two to the teams behind them, they might get caught if they're not careful. And of course, this then makes me think, well, is Detroit going to make a go for it? You know, Chicago wants to try it again, even though Laurie Markkinen now is out for four to six weeks. We'll get to that in a minute. For the Knicks, all of you guys telling me to love on Alfred Payton, you guys win this battle. He had a good ball game because he didn't get to the free throw line and he didn't turn the ball over. Remarkable. I My eyes deceive me, perhaps, in this one. But, uh, yeah, that's a better ball game for him. And uh, that's really two in a row that are a little bit better. I mean, he still struggles to get inside the top 100 because of all the things he doesn't do. But, as I've said before, if you're kind of punting something, specifically threes or one of the percentages... He gets a big-time boost, and in that type of format, he moves into a usable territory. Otherwise, you know, not a great game for the Knicks either, but enough to get it done. Randall had 22-15 and 15 and tanked his way there with awful shooting and six turnovers. <laughs> Woof! Still glad I got out from under that one. Marcus Morris back and uh, relatively efficient. He's missed some free throws lately. And then Mitchell Robinson, 12-5, and five, made all six of his shots and blocked two shots. Keep telling you guys, like, quietly... He continues to be a relatively useful fantasy player. He's number 67. I've tried to buy him in a number of formats, but all of you bozos listen to my podcast and nobody's letting me buy him. You jerks. Phoenix at Memphis. The Grizzlies bounce back with a victory. Behind Dylan Brooks, another 20-point game. He's really improved lately. I, I, I got to admit, I didn't see this one coming. He had a six-point game against Boston on the 22nd, but outside of that, he's been on a pretty furious tear. He scored 20 points or more in five of his last six. He's broken the 30-point barrier once. He had a seven-point game against Golden State in a win. Prior to that, he'd actually scored in double figures in six in a row as well. He's rolling right now. Dylan Brooks didn't see that one coming. I, I mean, he's going to be owned in every league because he scores a lot of points, but the efficiency has improved for him. There's been some consistency. He had some defensive stats in this game, which is extremely unusual. And uh, so lately, he's been rolling along in a top 75 clip. I think it's going to level off a bit, but he very much needs to be on fantasy teams while he's rolling. Brandon Clark played well. He's been on a pretty good tear lately. Valanchunas got off to a quick start and then fizzled a bit in the second half with some foul trouble. Jaron Jackson Jr. fouled out again. How this problem hasn't really corrected itself is 
kind of amazing. And our guy DeAnthony Melton only played 17 minutes and still had fantasy value, although you're obviously looking for more than that. Phoenix side, Devin Booker playing really well these days. I will give credit where credit's due on that one as well. DeAndre Ayton, a better ball game, although he's got to get himself right in front of the rim, man. The field goal percent. Get it together, DeAndre. Michael Bridges is a guy I've been watching for the defensive stats. If minutes have been trending up, he's been mostly stealing his time at the expense of Dario Saric. But Bridges had five fouls in this game. I think that cut into his numbers a tiny bit. He hasn't really quite turned the corner fantasy-wise. He's number 119 overall on the year, but he really isn't much better than that lately, despite the minutes trending up. You can point to a few things. One, he's he's not shooting the ball well over the last couple of weeks, well below his season mark. His free throw number is not great over that stretch. The steals are fine. The turnovers are low. They just There sort of needs to be a little bit more, as our guy Aaron Bruski likes to say, a little bit more meat on the bone. But I do like the high steals. He'll get you a block or two every once in a while. He's a very low-usage dude, so he's got to be on the floor for 30 minutes, and he's getting close to that mark. So keep an eye on it. I, I certainly do. He's already been picked up in a number of my leagues. He was owned, way over-owned for most of this season, but he too is finally showing signs. Having played 30 minutes or more in six consecutive games prior to logging just 26 in that ball game yesterday, I say yesterday, you guys already knowing I'm recording this on Sunday. So the game on Sunday, he's had two steals in three consecutive games, two steals in four out of the last five. He has four blocks in his last five games, so there's some, there is some good stuff in there, but he's also scored in single digits in four straight games. So right now, he kind of fits more of a specialist mold, but a guy we should definitely be watching. Boston lost at New Orleans, and you know how this thing goes, and obviously there's a Zion impact as well. He had 21-11, and 11, but missed a bunch of free throws and turned the ball over four times. It's just going to be, I mean, there's going to be a learning curve for a young guy, but he played 27 minutes. And the really amazing part is that the key cogs didn't really take a hit. Just at least from a minutes perspective, from a usage standpoint, yeah, some of them did. But let's go through, well, let's do Boston real fast because they're the easy side of this. Kemba Walker, Gordon Hayward looked very good with no uh, Jason Tatum. Jalen Brown was fine but unspectacular. And then our guy that we've been harping on, Daniel Tice, Went one for three at the free throw line, but you can forgive him for that because the rest of his line was brilliant. 15 and nine with two blocks and seven out of 10 shooting. Had an assist and played 31 minutes. They actually kind of needed Ennis Canner in this game to deal with the size of the Pelicans all of a sudden. But Daniel Tice is rolling, man. He has been crushing it. You are no longer allowed to ask me what you're supposed to do with this guy. He needs to be owned universally. And I have him in a lot of formats and I feel very good about that. That's a pickup that I'm pretty excited about the rest of the way. Super efficient big man. Okay, that's the easy side. New Orleans is the complicated side because when everybody got healthy, the initial assessment from yours truly was that Josh Hart and J.J. Redick were probably going to be on the outside looking in and that there would be some hits to the usage of the regulars. But I didn't think it was going to be all that much. I didn't think Derek Favors was going to be impacted all that much, and to this point, he hasn't really been. He got his 28 minutes, which is what we're shooting for. You're probably not going to see the 34-minute games from Favors the rest of the way, but you know what? That's not a bad thing. This might actually keep him on the floor the rest of the season. We don't want the 32-minute Derek Favors games, 
unless they have like four days off afterwards for Derek to recover. Which I don't. I mean, you got the All Star break, but that's about it. So yeah, get him in the get him in the twenty five to twenty eight range, and you can sit on probably about thirteen and ten, maybe a little better than that even, with some blocks, good, great field goal percent. And sure, Zion's going to play some center, no question. Yeah, Derek's not going to play those thirty five minute games where he was racking up twenty one and fifteen, but he's also not going to have to take one game out of every three off the rest of the way. I hope. Zion's going to be fine. Um, I mean, these were things that we were concerned about. Hitting Him hitting all those three-pointers in the first game was obviously a bit of the Giannis-style anomaly. But you're going to see more steals, more blocks. The rebounds are going to be crazy because he's just so big and quick. But yeah, free throw is going to be an issue. Turnovers are going to be an issue. And I don't know that he's going to be a top 30 guy or whatever people were hoping when they drafted him, even though the popcorn numbers are going to be crazy. So, yeah, I mean, I think if you can get a top 30 guy in a redraft format, you probably do it. I still think Josh Hart's going to be on the outside. I also think J.J. Reddick's going to be on the outside. The fact that those guys, I mean, Reddick getting to 17 points on only nine shots in 24 minutes, that doesn't seem sustainable to me. Lonzo Ball, 15 assists. He seems like he's started to figure things out a little bit. And then Brandon Ingram, who... You know, we've kind of called a sell high basically all season long. Now he's, believe it or not, if someone's going based on the two Zion games, he's a little bit of a buy low. Because everybody's looking at it like, oh, is he ruined? Nah, he's not ruined, man. Zion's not going to be, it's not going to be go do whatever you want forever. This is a get settled in type of moment. And maybe that's not an accurate way to phrase it. Like, you look at the, you look at the rankings, and Brandon Ingram is still very high in them. He has has taken a hit. He's number 25 now after a couple of slower ball games. But, like, to me, when I say buy low, maybe somebody will give him to you for, like, a top 50 guy thinking he's about to fall off a cliff, whereas I think if you have him, I'd be willing to sell him for anybody inside the top 25 or 30 anyway. So there's a little bit of both sides to that coin. Washington at Atlanta, this, oh my God, the score of this freaking basketball game. Atlanta, 152, Washington, 133, 285 points. Woo, total was only 241, which seemed pretty high at the time, but wasn't even close to high enough. Jordan McRae turned his ankle again, but he wasn't relevant anyway. Isak Banga got a tooth half knocked out, but he wasn't fantasy relevant either. Actually, as this game shook out, Washington ended up going very heavily with their reserves because the starters were not matching up with Atlanta very well. And the big guys in particular, Thomas Bryant and Jan Mahimi, were just getting run the bleep off the basketball court by Trey Young, Kevin Herter, DeAndre Hunter, and John Collins. Collins only ended up playing 22 minutes. He fouled out of this ballgame. Herter actually had five fouls as well, but they generally they came a little bit later in the game. Trey Young went crazy hit a half-court shot. He was wearing number eight to honor Kobe Bryant for this ballgame. He had a half-court shot at the buzzer to score 24 points in the first half. That type of stuff is pretty weird. And uh, I don't know. I don't believe in the supernatural, but that's um, that's something. But obviously, Trey Young, Kevin Herter, they seem fine. DeAndre Hunter is showing slight signs these days, but I'm still not into it because of all the, the small fantasy issues. And then obviously, John Collins. So not much changes there. And those of you that were afraid Jeff Teague was going to ruin Kevin Herter... I think you're okay. On the Washington side, I'm going to give Yamahimi one more game in the formats where I picked him up. This one felt like a game where Washington was forced to go small, and so his minutes were down, but I'll probably bench him 
for whatever that's worth. Thomas Bryant, I thought his minutes would hit 20 in this game. I really did because they had him low on the back-to-back. This is it's concerning. I don't know if they're ever going to get him up and over that mark, but you got to hold on at least another week or two to see how this Thomas Bryant thing shakes out. Clippers at Magic. Kawhi Leonard, another big ball game, 31-14-7. He's been cruising of late. Landry Shamit has been on a pretty good three-point roll, while Paul George and Patrick Beverly are both out. When they come back, all of this stuff disintegrates. For the Magic, the main guys really weren't there. Nick Vucevic had a bad one, fouled out in 27 minutes. Evan Fournier had 11. Aaron Gordon, who's just not good. I mean, this is the fact that the Magic were even remotely competitive in this game was kind of a miracle. No adjustments to the strategies there. You rumble along. How about Damian Lillard? Holy shnikes. I almost said it, guys. I almost had to do it. Last three games for Dame, 61, 47, and 50. Wow. He has 27 three-pointers in those games. Blazers with a win over Indiana. That's a nice victory. They beat Golden State and lost to Dallas in the in the other two Mondo Dame games. But you want to talk about Dame time? Holy hell. Damian Lillard, by the way, uh, up to sixth in the league on a per-game basis. Pretty good, man. That's higher than usual for him. And by totals, I believe he's number three behind just Harden and AD. How about that? That's why you need a top pick, man top picks it just falls off a cliff after that Hassan Whiteside was good CJ McCollum was back so if you're wondering can Dame do it even with CJ the answer is yes Carmelo had 14 and 8 and he continues to hang around right on the edge of 12 category or 12 team 9 category formats and as we warned you Trevor Ariza probably had his best game as a blazer as his first game as a blazer because he's just not going to be getting those types of shots every night, especially not with McCollum back. He had 7-4-1. and one. He played 32 minutes, so the thought there is the, the reality for Ariza is going to be somewhere in between the Mondo first game and the Klunko second game. For Indiana, no Miles Turner. He was out with illness. Demonis Sabonis triple-doubled, but they also gave up the highest point total they've allowed all season long. No Malcolm Brogdon either. So uh, TJ McConnell got another start, and without Brogdon and without Miles Turner... There was no defense. It was great for Jeremy Lamb. And guess who's coming back? Not tonight. Next ball game for Indiana, Victor Oladipo right around the corner. That's about to shake things up too. I think TJ Warren survives it. It's a bonus. Miles Turner, they'll continue to basically be what they have been already. Malcolm Brogdon, I think, survives it as well. Lamb is the one I'm a little bit worried about, but I certainly wouldn't preemptively make any moves there. Saturday car, Dallas lost at Utah. Mike Conley very slowly working his way back in. You guys are going to have to give him to the All-Star break before you make any decisions on it. Not kidding. Not kidding. I know that's going to eat you up inside, but you got to be more patient. For Dallas, they traded for Willie Cauley-Stein. I don't know what we've even talked about. Have we talked about that since it happened? Wasn't that Friday? I legitimately can't remember if we talked about that. So let's stop and talk about it now, just in case we didn't before. Dallas traded for Willie Cauley-Stein from the Warriors. I think that was Friday, right after we released the podcast. And so in the interim here, they've been kind of mixing and matching a little bit. There was extra DeLon Wright. There's been extra Seth Curry. Kristaps minutes, well, he was in foul trouble in this game, so they were a little bit lower than usual. Maxi Kleba, you thought his... When I say you, I mean all of us. We all thought his minutes were going to trend back up again. 
but they haven't really wanted to play him alongside Porzingis all that much because their games are a little bit parallel, certainly on the offensive side. Neither one of them is really a diver the way that Dwight Powell was. So the question now for Dallas is, how many minutes is Willie Cauley-Stein going to get to play? I doubt he gets the almost 30 a game that Dwight Powell was racking up lately, but mid-20s would be more than enough to get him to fantasy value because he's, he's a rim runner. And they don't have one now at this exact moment for this exact ball game. So I, I picked up Collie Stein in places where I needed assists. I know that there are going to be some issues with his fantasy game. I mean, looking at what he did with the Warriors, when he cleared 20 minutes, you could basically ask him to get around seven rebounds in those situations and probably close to a steal and a block. But the other stuff is pretty unpredictable. Not surprisingly, he is... Not wildly owned, 42% in Yahoo, but I'd give him a look. And then in terms of the guards, very curious to see what happens to the minutes of guys like DeLon Wright and Seth Curry. Does Willie Cauley-Stein allow them to kind of go big again? Does Kleba, what what do his minutes look like? I'm not, you guys know I desperately want to pick up DeLon Wright in as many places as humanly possible, but I'm going to need to see it more than, well, really once at this point. He's played 28 minutes and 31 lately in sort of the post-Dwight Powell era, but that it, even then it wasn't a guarantee. So I'm going to definitely need to see that again before I do anything with it. Uh, Seth Curry, he's been getting the the starting nod lately, which is kind of interesting. His minutes have trended back up, but he's been all over the map this year. Just one of those rare guys that can hit three-pointers without killing you in field goal percent, which makes him useful as kind of a specialist type if you're you know trying not to blow up your percentages, but doesn't get steals or blocks, doesn't do anything besides score on three-pointers. So it's it's not quite enough for me to make a move on it. Brooklyn played on Saturday, too. Kyrie Irving played in that ballgame. Detroit got beat, 121-111. Derrick Rose, 27 points, four boards, six assists. He actually is working right now on the longest 20-point scoring streak of his career, including pre-surgeries. Andre Drummond went 20-20, missed a bunch of free throws, but again, there's there's some stuff going on with Detroit right now, and I'm not sure how it's going to play out. Stuff number one is Sekou Dumbuya's minutes have trended down hard. As as predicted on this damn podcast, I told you guys, you know, yeah, he probably needs to be rostered while he's playing big minutes, but don't expect double-doubles every game from a kid, the youngest player in the NBA, who came out, and then suddenly team's got a scouting report. So Detroit, yeah, they've sort of gone to these weird-look lineups, but the consistency of minutes is not there for the young guys. Outside right now of basically Svi Mikhailiuk, but that could change if Luke Kennard ever comes back. Uh, Reggie Jackson did not play in this ballgame, so that allowed more minutes for Svi and Bruce Brown. And there were a lot of points scored in this game as well. I've also said I'm keeping an eye on Markeith Morris because he, lately, and this game was more the outlier, when he's been in the ballgame, he's been chucking shots like they're going out of style. But somehow Svi... And Langston Galloway and Bruce Brown started chucking in this one. One thing I did like for Detroit is that Christian Wood got 21 minutes, even with Andre Drummond playing 40 in this overtime game. So the fact that he still got to 21 was a really nice sign. He only had 10 points, 4 boards, and a block. But it wasn't that 13-minute stuff that we've been seeing. And obviously you're hanging on there because we're a week and a half from the trade deadline anyway. 
I'm not picking up Marquise Morris. I'm not picking up Bruce Brown after one good ball game. I'm not picking up Svee because we talked about this before. He cools off as fast as he heats up. Derek Rose must own. Uh, Andre Drummond, obviously. Christian Wood is a stash right now because we're very close to the trade deadline. And then Reggie Jackson, to me, is a guy you can keep an eye on. He, he fits more of that specialist mold, and I think he was on our specialist list, actually, on the Friday podcast. Oklahoma City, not a whole lot of news here. Just, uh, you know, no Steven Adams, no Nerlens Noel. So Mike Mascala got 25 minutes. Blech. Oh, wait, sorry. Steven Adams was back for this ballgame, but he doesn't look fully healthy. So we can put it that way. For Minnesota, Shabazz Napier triple-doubled, stuffing it in my face that I said he'd basically exclusively be an assist specialist. The fact that he grabbed 10 rebounds is an embarrassment to the rest of the team. Dude's averaging three rebounds a game on the year, and even in big minutes, he's generally in that four neighborhood. Uh, But he wanted it. You know, he wanted it. He's still not going to shoot very much. His usage is very low as a point guard playing 30 minutes, and I maintain he's more of a specialist type than anything else. But if you happen to catch lightning in a bottle in this triple-double, cool. Cool, man. Andrew Wiggins has trended down. Rob Covington is just sort of quietly doing his normal stuff. Chicago wins at Cleveland on the road. Zach Levine had 44. Sadoransky finally had a good ball game, but, you know, he's been trending down, and even still in this one, he had to get crazy efficient against one of the worst defenses in the NBA. Chris Dunn, good ball game. Thad Young, who has a big, wide-open road with Lowry Markin now out for a month to a month and a half. He's obviously a must-own guy if that wasn't immediately evident from the weekend activity. And then, sadly, I mean, with Sato, you know, he probably bought you another game. I've already dropped him in a couple of spots. I don't think that you can rely on him steadily on a game-to-game format. And Luke Cornett as well, even with some more minutes in this one, you know, they're just counting down the days until Daniel Gafford or or Wendell Carter Jr. can play again. So that one probably isn't really worth it. I thought maybe if he could get in there and get some minutes and some shots, but nah, usage just ain't there. For Cleveland, Larry Nance continues to play really, really good basketball lately. 15-11-4 with a three-pointer. No steals, but good percentages. Colin Sexton kind of trending up a tiny bit. Chetty Osman had one of his weirdo good ball games and Darius Garland. No assists. Tristan Thompson slowly losing minutes. One would assume the hope there is that he gets moved to a contender. And Larry Nance, to me, is also a guy... I mean, he's not even just a stash right now. You can throw him in there. He's getting mid to high 20s in minutes every game now that he's healthy, and he's playing well. Lakers fully healthy is just a two-man situation. Philadelphia, they're still missing a lot of bodies right now. Matisse Thybul got a bunch of defensive stats and did nothing else. I mean, five steals and a block will get the job done. Tobias Harris, Al Horford, Ben Simmons, those are the guys you can trust right now on a game-to-game basis. And finally, turning the clock back to Friday because a couple of teams didn't play the other days. Milwaukee-Charlotte, they had a game in Paris, and we learned nothing. Malik Monk saw bigger minutes. Nick Batum got a start and played a ton of time because, you know, Paris. But overall, I just don't try. I mean, how many times in this pod have I said I really don't like anything the Hornets are doing? Devontae Graham, if he can shoot 40% in a ball game, he's great. If he doesn't, meh, he did in this one. Terry Rozier, kind of the same story. Marvin Williams is really good. Old man Marv. I mean, they lost. Malik Monk's career high, 31. He's going to have to do this about three or four times in a row for me to even give the modicum of a chance attention. I still trust P.J. Washington to get back in there over Marvin Williams, so I'm not dropping him. Miles Bridges I dropped weeks ago. What else did we miss on Friday? Flipping through some of these 
teams. We might have hit them all. Did we get them all? Miami played on Friday. Sorry, we didn't get them all. Uh, Jimmy Butler turned his ankle late in the loss to the Clippers. Hopefully he'll be ready for the next ball game. But knowing what we know about Miami and really more of the long view on injuries, he might miss a game or two, which is going to open things up for the young guys. Really, Tyler Harrell is going to see a ton of time. You'll probably see Kendrick Nunn, if he plays, see a ton of time. Goran Dragic, if he plays, will see a ton of time in action. You know how the usage moves around when Butler's not on the floor. And then, of course, our guy Duncan Robinson, three-point specialist extraordinaire, played really well. Sacramento benched Buddy Heald and won a ball game, so, you know, they're going to draw a one-to-one correlation there. They played better defense, or did Chicago just suck for a game, or most of the season? Tough to say. Bogdan Bogdanovich moved into the starting lineup. He didn't do much, but Heald came off the bench and had 21 on five three-pointers. Maybe this will be a good thing. Are we going to see Marvin Bagley or Rashawn Holmes anytime soon? Hopefully. But until that time, Nemanja Bialica, just keep on rolling. The easiest stream that ever streamed. And I believe, my child yelling over all that, we are on one last team before we hit all 30, and that last team is the Golden State Warriors, who obviously shipped out Willie Cauley-Stein. And... Our first taste in the post-Willie era in Golden State was not Omari Spellman at the starting center spot, but Marquise Chris. The count of Marquise Chris, though, on his two-way deal, started and played 22 minutes and had 13-3 and with two steals, two blocks on a perfect shooting game. I'm picking him up. I know the minutes weren't there, but if you're starting, you've got a really good path to 20-plus minutes a game. And they were healthy for this one. And Amari Spellman only played 16 minutes in this game. He got outplayed by Chris. He got vastly outplayed. They went to Draymond Green at center for stretches, not not unexpectedly, against a guy like Demonis Sabonis. And Draymond played him well. I mean, that's, that's the magic of Draymond. He can pretty much guard anybody, even if he's a little shorter than them. If they go up against a more traditional, and I say traditional, I guess it's the modern traditional. If they go up against a center who's not a massive earth-moving load like Demonis Sabonis near the rim with all those post-up moves, you might see more Marquise Chris. Of course, if they go up against a really small team, you might see more Amari Spellman. But when he, I mean, those two guys are not that dissimilar in fantasy game. They're not that dissimilar in height. Chris, I think, maybe a tiny bit taller than Spellman. Certainly more slender. So I like it. I mean, he's got he's always had a really interesting fantasy game. He's just never been able to do things that weren't Sorry to phrase it this way, but stupid. He did stupid stuff on the basketball court and got yanked for it, not surprisingly. But you can look at his game log from this year. When Chris gets in that 25-minute neighborhood, he's put up some really interesting fantasy lines. You know, the one-steal, two-block kind of stuff. And he's had plenty of games where he's played 12, 13 minutes, and those have been really rough. And if that's what this shakes out as and it ends up as a weird timeshare, then yeah, you, you move along. But if he's starting and playing 22 to 27 minutes a game somewhere in that neck of the woods, to me, then he becomes a must-start guy because of the defensive stats, because of the rebounding, because of the field goal percent, and then hopefully he just doesn't do a bunch of dumb stuff. Conversely, I think Damian Lee's a drop. You know, he got his contract, doesn't have to play quite as hard every night, and things are just getting more and more crowded on this Warriors team especially if we see Steph Curry in five weeks. 
which I realize is not that close to us, five weeks far away from here. But it's not nothing that potentially the biggest usage guy on the team could come back and push the other wings into the one slot because D'Lo will be the, the shooting guard. So there ain't going to be any minutes at one or two, which means all the minutes these guys are splitting would be at the three, pretty much. A couple of backup minutes at the two. Not a great outlook there. Much prefer Marquise Chris over any of those other fringe guys. Actually, Glenn Robinson's been playing pretty well, but he's another guy that would get squeezed if or when Steph Curry comes back. And, you know, you kind of need the stat set as well. Lately, he's actually been inside the cut line for pretty much all formats. You know, he's 117 on the year. Last month, uh, right around that same mark, around 120. Last couple of weeks, he's at 75 because he's been shooting the ball really well. And if that cools off, the rest of his game is not super fantasy-friendly. Let's transition very quickly here to what's coming up on Monday night. Uh, as I mentioned, I don't want to send this podcast too late into the evening. Cleveland is at Detroit. we got plenty of things to watch in this ballgame. Larry Nance's continued surge on the Cavs side. Reggie Jackson's play, he's been looking good. Derek Rose on his current run. What does Christian Wood get to do if Andre Drummond gets his normal allotment of minutes? A lot of stuff. Orlando-Miami, it really just comes down to whether or not Jimmy Butler's playing in terms of that one. Dallas will get our first look at Willie Cauley-Stein, most likely. Don't start him. He might have a good ball game, but don't start him. He might play nine minutes for all we know. In which case, you probably can move on. But they're going to play to win. This is a tough game in Oklahoma City. It's not time to be experimenting. Willie Cauley-Stein, also notably a little bit of a... uh, Not the... How do we phrase this nicely? He's not known for his basketball IQ. Is that a clean enough way to put it without being offensive? Um, So if he's in there and he's trying to learn what the hell's going on with the Mavs, my guess would be they bring him off the bench, let him run around a little bit with the second unit where he can't muck things up too bad, and then maybe you scale it up. If you picked him up, let's put it this way. If you picked him up, you can't make a decision after one ball game on the negative side. All right, if he plays 10 minutes and they don't go well, you can't just cut him because it's his first game with a team that actually cares. Maybe in his career. That's not fair. But they're going to be watching him very carefully. They want him to play the, the, run the right plays, do the right stuff on the floor, defend, which is the one thing that sometimes he can do, and then rim run, which they don't have. So maybe he goes out there and plays 25 minutes and dunks, in which case you're like, sweet, this is going to be great. But if he plays nine minutes and sucks, you got to give him at least one or two more games. Sacramento, we'll just keep an eye on all the injury stuff with them. Rashawn, uh, Bagley, those are two dudes that obviously are the, the big question marks, it seems like I would think. Starting lineup would stay the same if everybody's health remains the same. Minnesota, I guess you can put Shabazz Napier back on the watch list, but I, I maintain I think he's going to be an assist and free throw specialist the rest of the way. Spurs, have a lot of faith in, in Derek White these days. DeJounte Murray, DeMar DeRozan, LaMarcus Aldridge. There's a four fantasy player team now. Chicago, Thad Young, in. Zach Levine, in. Chris Dunn has been in. Sato, eh, not really. I mean, if he does it again, if he gets hot here, then maybe you throw him back into the mix. And then Houston, I mean, who the hell is even going to play for this team right now? You're going to get a lot of fringy guys doing stuff if the big dogs are out. With Utah, I think you just keep an eye on what Mike Conley's doing. I'd love to see him get up in over 20 minutes in this ballgame and just continue that slow plod 
back towards mid to high 20s and minutes, maybe even get him up around 30 before your fantasy playoffs begin, or maybe by around the uh, the All-Star break or something like that. As promised, folks, wanted to keep this one a little bit shorter. Uh, I hope that this was a nice 40-minute distraction for you from what was a truly awful, truly tragic Sunday. And I'll and I I think we have to kind of take the show out on that same vein again. Please do sign up for my bookie with the promo code today. Screenshot it, tweet it to us, email it to us. You can get yourself in the contest to win some cash, cold hard cash from Hoopball. Follow at Hoopball Gaming and at Dan Bespris. Um, and of course, if you want to join us here at Hoopball, you can write me or tweet me at any of those same locations. We're we're still looking for good folks. If you got midday availability, you can join us with our sales team as well. But I do want to finish up the show with a few more thoughts on now the late Kobe Bryant. And they're nothing significant for me personally, nothing that it wasn't like I had a, a run-in with him at any point, actually. And as I mentioned that earlier at the very beginning of the show, it's, it's weird for me to be to feel, I think, so impacted by someone that I've never met in my life. And... For someone that, for all the stories we've read, a little bit of a maniac, right? That was that was the word on this dude, that he took every practice and every game and every moment to a level that most of us reach only when we unplug all of our devices and isolate ourselves and can maybe get work done at a high clip for like 25 minutes. That was his entire existence. But for those of us like myself, who, you know, I'm born in 83, okay, so you can do the math on all of this, that really kind of grew up and our the, the strength of our basketball fandom, the folks in, in this generation, was the, the end, was the, well, not the end, was the, the, the Jordan era run, followed by, the Kobe stuff, the Kobe, Shaq, Lakers, and the Spurs were a big deal in that run as well. And then for someone from Los Angeles, well, it was just, that was it. I grew up a Dodgers and a Lakers fan in L.A. Pretty straightforward. Nothing special about me on that front. And so Kobe Bryant was our generational athlete for, I mean, not just Angelinos, obviously, but for other cities, their their hatred for what he could do when he came into an arena was matched only by those of us here in Los Angeles and how much we adored the fact that he was all the drama and everything, that he was a Laker. And so there's something about this loss so quick, so early in life and the the fact that one of his kids was with him that just really i think for all of us a massive massive punch to the gut i don't know if I, maybe i'd feel the same way if someone like shaq were were taken in that same fashion i i don't know there's a laker part of it there's and there's just an age part of it where that was he his era these are that's i mean guys of that age and this isn't supposed to be the end so there's a mortality aspect to it that's just very hard to get over. And to to do this podcast on a Sunday night, I'm hoping that I was able to sort of pull it together once we got into the analysis part of the show and now 
kind of letting it pull back apart. And all I'll say, I guess, I, you know, I don't have any advice for anybody. There's no right way to deal with things like this. If you want to stare at the Twitter feed while while these touching tributes are making you ball all day, do it. If you don't, don't. Sometimes it's too much to take. For me, I did for a couple hours, and then I thought, you know, I can't. I can't look at it anymore. It's too sad. You can't exist in a state of pure sadness all the time. But obviously take a moment to reflect on Bean, on your own family, and do what you can to turn the page. Tough day to do a pod. Enjoy the Monday, everybody. Hopefully we can get back to a little bit of normalcy here soon enough. We have that luxury, so I suppose we should take advantage of it. I'll be back with you guys on Tuesday. Um, Don't have a schedule yet for this week on Fantasy NBA Today, but you know we'll be breaking down the games and giving you guys all the pickups and drops. As per usual, I am Dan Vespris. Rest in peace, Kobe Bryant, daughter, and everybody else on the helicopter as well that we didn't know. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.